Amen. Well, let's look in John chapter 5. Uh, aren't you glad this earth is in our home? We're looking for something greater and better. Amen. I want to share a message entitled Road to Salvation. We have several that are being baptized in the 11 o'clock service. If you're here this morning in this early service and you've been saved and have been baptized yet, here is water. What the tender me to be baptized. If thou believest, thou mayest. Amen. And uh, but road to salvation. Now, John chapter 5 in uh, verse 28, we'll begin reading and read down to verse uh, 39 of John chapter 5. It says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of my own self do nothing as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he beareth of me is true. Ye sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. But I received not testimony from man, but these things I say, that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, Bear witness of me that the Father has sent me, and the Father himself which has sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and ye have not, uh, and ye have not his word abiding in you. Uh, for whom he has sent, uh, him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think that ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. I'm excited today about those who will be baptized, and uh, Lord, they are testifying of the fact that they've been saved. Uh, they've been born again through faith in what Christ did on Calvary for them, and we rejoice with them, Lord. But we're reminded uh, that the scriptures is clear. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Christ and Christ alone. And so as we consider this road to salvation this morning, I would pray that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher and guide in the scriptures. I pray that uh, each one of us would be sensitive to the prodding of the Spirit of God upon us. Lord, if we've been saved, we've been born again. May it be a time of rejoicing and celebration in our hearts of realizing all that God has done in us and through us and for us and what we're going to be able to experience in all eternity and what a blessing it is to, to remember the road of salvation. And then I would pray there may be someone here this morning who's never been saved, never been born again. I pray that they might feel the impression of the Spirit of God upon them and they would respond and come to the invitation of God uh, to be saved, to be born again. And I pray they might be able to leave here, Lord, knowing that they've been forgiven and they've been cleansed and they've been made anew through faith in Christ and they're assured of heaven. So Holy Spirit of God, have your free will and way in each of our hearts. Uh, we surrender ourselves to you and ask for the, your conviction and your instruction 
and your presence to be felt and experienced here this morning. And so bless the preaching of the Word of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 34 and also verse 39, kind of tying the two together. In verse 34, it says, But I received not testimony from man, but these things I say that you might be saved. Now, that's a father confirmation that the Son of Man came in this world to seek and to save that which was lost. And then in verse 39, Jesus says, Search the Scriptures, for in them that you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So the road of salvation uh, is paved with the reality of who Jesus Christ is, and that man must believe on him, and without faith in what Christ had accomplished on Calvary for us, there is no salvation to be enjoyed. I remember way back in 1984, my wife and I graduated from Bible college, and we came to New Jersey to start Gospel Light Baptist Church up in Oakhurst. And uh, it was amazing back then in 1984, people were saying uh, that you can't use the term born again anymore. Uh, because everybody's using the term born again with false religions. There was a love song out that came out years ago, and that you, in reference to the love that they had for each other, you make me born again. And I mean to tell you, everybody was cowering away from the term born again because of the misuse. And I remember telling folks at that time, I said, well, the Bible still says you must be born again, so we're going to use the term born again and explain to people what it means to be born again. And then, uh, that was back in 1984, and then back in 2000, I read a pastor's weekly brief. Uh, I used to get them years ago. And it said this, born again doesn't mean what it used to. <laughs> it's amazing just to track this stuff throughout the years. Born again doesn't mean what it used to, arguing that today's born-again Christians are united by emotions and experiences, not by shared doctrines or moral beliefs. That was 20 years ago. I preach these same things about these things, the trends in our society in today's terms in 2020. And uh, it's amazing how far away we have removed ourselves from the reality of what it means to be saved and how a person is to be saved. And alarming statistics for you, 66% of American baby boomers identify themselves as born-again Christians. That's me and my crowd. That's us old folks, Amen. And we're known as the baby boomers. And uh, 66% of baby boomers identify themselves as being born-again Christians. Here's the alarming aspect of the statistics. 55% of those that have, uh, um, yeah, 55% of those don't have any link or connection with a conservative Protestant denomination. They say they're born again, but they're not connected with those that are preaching that you must be born again. We often get on Generation X and the millennial crowd and all this, that, and the other. But I think if we want to condemn anybody in reference to trends that are moving away from the salvation that God uh, gives to us, we got to take it on our own shoulders. Uh, because we're expecting something out of our children and our children's children that we're not willing to embrace and hold to ourselves. 
uh, you go on through the statistics, they, they say this, 50% of baby boomers say, all you Generation X and Millennials are happy because I'm not picking on you today, amen? Uh, 50% uh, say that religions other than Christianity are equally good and true. Well, the sad thing is to say, folks, they're not. Because they create and they present a false way of salvation. And so only what is preached from the Word of God and declared as truth, what the Scriptures record for us of how we're to be saved, are valid and just for us. 33% of baby boomers believe in reincarnation and astrology. And we got to read our, our um, horoscope, you know. I don't, but I hear different people saying they read their horoscope and things like that. Well, a horoscope isn't going to take care of you. I'm going to tell you that right now. There is no reincarnation. Uh, you didn't come back into this world from being a bug last you know, previous life, and now you're a human being. It doesn't work that way. And so, 30. I'm, sh I'm shocked at these numbers. Fifty percent support abortion. We cry and moan and, be, and bemoan the reality of abortion. I just preached a message on abortion a couple of weeks ago, and we talk about all these things. But the reality is those who are saying that they are born-again Christians in our crowd, a baby boomer crowd, believe that it's okay to have an abortion. And then we turn around and say, well, we don't understand why our society is acts the way it is. We don't understand why things are out of control the way they are. I think it's, we need to be refreshed on the reality of the road to salvation is through faith in Christ and Christ alone. And if you're here this morning and you're not sure you're saved, you need to realize that God sent his son into this world to die for you so that you can be saved. And that's the only reason why he came here. Uh, he came here for one purpose, and that's to save our wretched souls. And the amazing thing is this, as you read through our text where we're reading in John chapter 5, there's no reincarnation mentioned, but there is a resurrection mentioned. Notice in uh, verse 28 and 29, he says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Uh, there is no reincarnation, but there is a resurrection. And uh, we will be resurrected based on our faith in Christ, our rejection of Christ. And whether we're saved or unsaved, we will be judged out of the books in reference to whether we've done, done good or evil and how evil our works was. And we're either going to receive rewards or we're going to be losing rewards. And the amazing thing is this, that we get so caught up in thinking that I'm going to be reincarnated and coming back into this world as something better. And the reality is, once you die and you go into grave, the next person you're facing is God Almighty. So the confirmation of the justice of God is in our chapter here in verse 30. Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing as I hear I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will but the will of the Father which has sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Why would he say that? Because in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. 
Then in verse 32 it says, There is another that beareth witness of me. So now he's adding confirmation and reality that he is who he says he is. And I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. Ye sent John, and he bear witness unto truth. But I received not testimony from man, so the testimony, a witness of the truth of who Christ was, was not from man, but was from God Almighty in heaven. But these things I say that you might be saved. He said, you need to face the reality of who I am in order for you to be saved. So the road to salvation is seen in verses 33 through 39. And so we want to look at that this morning, the road to salvation. First of all, the witness of a personal testimony. The witness of a personal testimony. I think that one of the most powerful things that you have in your arsenal, if you will, of living your Christian life is your testimony. Uh, The testimony that you've trusted Christ as your Savior and a life that lives out a testimony that reveals the fact that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. So a witness of a personal testimony. Notice, first of all, in verse 33... He said, John, he bear witness unto the truth, but I received not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. Uh, it's amazing how quickly man does not want to acknowledge the light of Jesus Christ, don't want to acknowledge the light of God. John was witnessing and testifying to the light that would come into the world. And he said, you listened to him for a while, but you refused very quickly to accept what he was saying. So first of all, John understood true light. In John chapter 1, in verse 6, John 1, 6, says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness. So the forerunner of Christ, he came for a witness to testify. What was it? For uh, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And then that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And so we think about a witness, a personal testimony. John's testimony was this, that God brought him into this world to be a witness or a testifier of who would be the true light. And John did not exalt himself and lift himself up as being the light, but he was constantly pointing others to the light of Jesus Christ. Oftentimes we like to elevate man. We like to proclaim our works and good things. But the reality is we are to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to point people to the light of Christ. This world is a dark place, and it's getting darker. It is not getting better. It's getting worse. And people need to be able to see the light of Jesus Christ shining through you. And uh, I'm not the light. You're not the light. But our Savior is. He shines through us. And so we're to be a testimony of the light that has illuminated our hearts that brought salvation to us. And uh, I thought I was a pretty good person. I was a hard worker. I, I paid my bills. I did what I felt that was just in reference to anyone else and all this, that, and the other. But when I came into the light of Christ, I realized how vulgar and how wicked 
and how sinful I was, and I needed Christ to illuminate my path to the way of righteousness and trusted Christ as my Savior. And so a witness of a personal testimony, uh, John was a good witness because he understood what the true light was. I see another thing here about John. John acknowledged the Lamb of God. John would be baptizing in the Jordan, and Jesus Christ would come uh, to where John was baptizing. And as he would come there, in John 1.29, it says, uh, this, uh, would, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. All the time that John had been preaching and all the time that John had been baptizing and all the time the message that he was uh, preaching and revealing, repent for the kingdom of heaven draweth nigh, uh, he was preparing the people to receive the Lamb of God which was slain before the foundation of the world. And if someone is going to be saved, they have to come to acknowledging the fact that there is a sacrifice for their sins, and that sacrifice is Christ and Christ alone. Those who are going to get baptized uh, today are not uh, testifying that they're getting saved. They are testifying that they have been saved because they have believed on the sacrifice that was made uh, when Christ died on the cross for them. Why? Because the lamb was slain all the way back in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. The animal was slain, the blood was shed, and their sins had to be covered. And God would give to Israel instruction on sacrifices. They were to bring an offer unto God to shed the blood of the innocent one to be able to cover the sins of the guilty one. And Jesus Christ would come into this world. And as he comes to John to be baptized, John testifies to the fact, here he is, this is the Lamb of God, which was slain before the foundation of the world. If we're going to be saved, we're going to be saved because of the fact that we're going to believe that there's only one sacrifice that is acceptable to God, and that's Jesus Christ. You trying to live a good life is not sufficient. I remember years ago, I was witnessing to my aunt, and she, went, and she told me that she finally she got frustrated with me. And she said, well, Michael, we just got to do the best that we can. And I looked at her and I said, Aunt Evelyn, I'm going to tell you right now, no matter how much is good that you do in your life, how much do you proclaim as being enough to satisfy a holy God? The, the reality is you cannot do enough to justify yourself in the presence of God. The only way a person can be saved is come down the path to meet the Lamb of God, which was slain before the foundation of the world, that he was slain and he was brutally martyred because of the fact that he died in your place, that you might be saved. And so we only can be saved through the Lamb that was slain. Now, John acknowledges that. He understands the light. But then he proclaims the means of salvation. In John chapter 3, in uh, verse 30, John reveals for us, of course, John 3, 3, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. But John goes on and proclaims the means of salvation in John chapter 3, in verse 30, he says, he must increase. That's our theme for this year, increased. He must increase. John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. You know, man doesn't like to decrease. We always like to puff ourselves up. 
We always like to be prideful. Uh, wait a minute, John said, I can't be prideful in who I am. I've got to decrease because Christ is increasing. Then in verse 31, it says, he that cometh from above is above all. My, how we need to acknowledge the fact that Christ has the preeminence in everything. He is above all. There is no religion, there is no individual, there is no movement that is above Jesus Christ. He is above all. He that cometh from above is above all, and he that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. And he that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. For the Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hands. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. Oftentimes what we'll do is we'll say, well, you know, maybe somebody, if they're just good enough, God will look past some of the bad things. You know, if they just strive to be right with God, they'll be okay. And no, no, either you have by faith received Christ as your Savior, or you have rejected Christ as your personal Savior. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, that's your testimony, then that means you are saved, you're born again, and you see eternal life, but those that reject Christ shall not see life, and uh, they will not go into heaven. They will fall under, into perdition under the wrath and the judgment of Almighty God. So a witness, a personal testimony. When you talk about the road to salvation, there has got to be a personal testimony that reveals the fact that you have, in fact, trusted Christ and Christ alone as your Savior. The alarming thing is there's many people over the years I've seen have prayed prayers but never been saved. There's been many people who will proclaim their good works but have never been saved. And they struggle with assurance of salvation because they don't have the witness of a personal testimony. So the road of salvation. Secondly, I see in verse 36 of our text, John 5, in verse 36, the witness of a Savior's agony. In chapter 5 of John, in verse 36, tells us, But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Well, what were these works that he's talking about? He's talking about the suffering that he'll experience on the cross of Calvary. We have the witness of a personal testimony that reveals to us that we're on the road to salvation. But there's also the witness of a Savior's agony. Uh, he was to come to a people and be rejected. In John 1.11, it says, He came to his own, but his own received him not. And he would come unto his own and be rejected. And the amazing thing is this, that he would literally, Isaiah 53 says that his suffering would be so great, his torment would be so uh, overbearing 
that he would have no form of comeliness. We often have pictures of Jesus on the cross, and I think I put one on here. Yeah, I did. I can't remember what I put on here. Slide. But anyway, we have a picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. It doesn't look brutal. It doesn't look disgusting. It doesn't look embarrassing. But the reality is when Christ, by the time he got on the cross, his body was ripped in shreds. And for us to try to proclaim that we can make our way to heaven and be saved through other means than what Christ suffered for us, what a shame, what a blasphemous statement, what a smack into the face of God. And so we have the witness of a Savior's agony that he would come to his own people and his people will reject him. People still reject him today. It's amazing. I was talking to a preacher the other day, and we were talking about church growth. When preachers get together, that's all we talk about. Hey, how's your church doing? Uh, we want to feel good about ourselves, so we try to see if they're having problems so we can have rejoice, you know. <laughs> it's always, how's your church doing? And I was talking to him, and I said, how's your church doing? He said, oh, pretty good, you know. He said, how's your church doing? I said, ah, oh, it's doing good, man. It's great. Everything's good, but man, I'll tell you, it's getting to be a struggle to try to lead people to the Lord. And uh, he said this, he said, brother, I'm right there with you. He said, I'll tell you, we used to go out soul winning and we used to do all this and we still do do that, but we hardly ever get anybody saved. People just reject the word of God, reject Christ, reject us. Uh, wait a minute, the reality is that's what took place when Christ came into this world. He came to his own, but his own received him not. And so the agony of a suffering Savior based on the rejection of his people. He came to heal only to be accused of blasphemy. When he would heal the paraplegic, he would, before he would do it, he would say, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And I mean they shot out with the accusations. They shot out with a disdain. How dare you say like something like that? God alone can forgive sins on, on the earth. And, and Jesus responded that you may know that the Son of Man had power to forgive sins on the earth. He saith unto the sick of palsy, Arise, take up thy bed and walk. He came to heal. He came to save. And people, mankind, reject Christ. And he's accused as being a blasphemer because of the fact that he can forgive our sins. So he came to heal and, and he became accused of blasphemy. He came to be despised, rejected, and crucified, bringing to mankind the forgiveness of God. Because hanging on the cross, he would cry out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's hard to get angry with people who reject Christ. Because the reality is, they're just rejecting the one they don't have any idea who he is. It's hard to get angry with people who say, I don't want to be saved. Because the reality is, they don't understand where they're going. They're on the road to hell. They're on the road to eternal torment and torture. They don't know that, and so some way we must convince them, we must reveal to them their condition, and the only way we can do that is lift up Jesus Christ, because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. I can't draw one person to Christ, but certainly the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in us 
can bring conviction and revelation in the heart of the unsaved to realize that they've been living a life as the enemy of God in rejecting God and that Jesus Christ is despised by them. He's rejected by them. He was crucified by them. But yet the Father cries out, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm amazed. We sang the song this morning in the choir. I'm amazed that he loves me. It's an alarming, alarming reality that a completely holy and just God would love wicked sinners like us. So the road to salvation involves a witness of a personal testimony. It involves a witness of a Savior's agony, but it also involves a witness of a father's notary. Notice in verse 37 of chapter 5 of John. And the Father himself, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his image. And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he has sent, him ye believe not. The witness of a father's notary. In other words, what, Christ, what God the Father states and what God the Father does is true. You know, he called of Abraham, uh, called of the father of to Abraham. God would call Abraham out of the land of the Ur of Chaldees to the land that he would show him because he was going to make a mighty nation. And it would be God who would call for him to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, the son whom he loved, who was the promised seed, who was the fulfilled uh, uh, promise of God to Abraham. And as Abraham would offer his son on the altar, it would be God who would step in and stop him from doing so. And as faith that he had, it says it was accounted unto him for righteousness. It wasn't his work, it was faith. Our faith, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And we must have faith to believe in the confirmation that what God so states is in fact true. Not only that, but the commands of the Father to Moses. And God would give Moses his law. And God would outline his demands and his requirements upon his people. And God would establish that though through the blood that there would be life. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And he would establish the blood would be an atonement for their sins. What God commanded to Moses was fulfilled in the reality of what Christ would do. And Jesus is simply affirming the fact the road to salvation is to see God the Father speaking to Abraham and see God the Father speaking to Moses and then see the confirmation of God the Father speaking to and working through his son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus was baptized in John chapter 3, there's a voice that came from heaven and said, This is my beloved son in whom I well please. Uh, in Matthew chapter 17, when Peter, James, and John were on the Mount of Transfiguration, they would hear a voice saying, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. The amazing thing is this. There is a witness that comes from heaven that is a true witness, that is a witness that is full of veracity and honesty and clearness, and that comes from the Father and Jesus saying this. You want to be saved, you got to go down the path or the road of salvation. 
There has to be a personal testimony. There has to be a Savior's agony. And there needs to be the confirmation of a Father in heaven. And then in verse 29, I'm sorry, 39, we see in our text the witness of the Holy Scriptures, autonomy. Uh, verse 39, search the Scriptures, for in them ye think that ye have eternal life, and they are they which tes testify of me. Search the Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures' autonomy. You know, people cannot be saved apart from the Holy Scriptures. You know one way that you can mark a cult? A cult can be marked by the, what we call extra-biblical revelation. In other words, is you can't take the final authority of the Word of God. Uh, you cannot take what it says uh, as being valid. You need to have the writings of that religion along with it. Uh, no, you need the Word of God and the Word of God alone. And, uh, and notice, first of all, the complete testimony. In Luke chapter 24, in uh, verse 27, the scriptures testify. It says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You know, people today, they say, Well, we're, we're in the church. We're in the New Testament. We're just the New Testament. It's amazing to me that when Jesus was walking down the road to Emmaus and as he met with these men on the road to Emmaus, they didn't know who he was, but he revealed to he, who he was by beginning with Moses, which was the Pentateuch, and then expounded through all the prophets in reference to who he was. You must have the complete reality of the testimonies of the scriptures that from Genesis chapter 1 to the last chapter in Revelation, the whole Bible speaks about who Jesus Christ is. There's a witness of the scriptures. Somebody says, I ask somebody, are you saved? Do you know you're going to heaven? Oh, I know that. How do you do that? Oh, well, I just feel good about myself. Uh, you start reading the Bible, you won't feel so good about yourself. Well, I just have my religion, or I just do this, or I just do that. No, you need the complete testimony of the scriptures. The word of God does not lie. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And the foundation of what we believe to save our soul is based on the fact of what God has said in his word. So it's a complete testimony. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, we see that it's a correct testimony. Uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 23. I'll get over there in a minute. Don't worry. Uh, chapter, 1 Peter chapter 1. In uh, verse 23, says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. We're not born again based on feelings or false teachings or acceptance in society. We're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. This is a living book. It is a correct book. It does not have contradictions and errors in it. And it's, a, it cor it's correct in its testimony of how we're born again. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof fadeth away. 
But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So the road to salvation is based on the witness of the Holy Scriptures as being the Holy Scriptures that are autonomous. They stand on their own. It's a complete testimony. It's a correct testimony, but it's a consistent testimony. That's why Jesus said, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. They are consistent scriptures. They don't contradict one another. In John chapter 12, in verse 32, Jesus was very clear that if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw them into myself. This he said, signifying what death he should accomplish or should die. And so Jesus Christ establishes a path of salvation that is based upon the autonomy of the scriptures. So the road to salvation. If you're here this morning, you're not sure you're saved. Let me encourage you with this. Stop listening to what everybody else says. Stop listening to what the world has to say. Stop listening to people who want to laugh and mock the word of God. And start listening to what the word of God has to say. Uh, it is not about feelings. The reality is there's mornings I might get up and I don't feel like I'm saved. Uh, but the reality is I'm saved because God said I'm saved. Amen. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life. I'm glad he didn't give me temporary life. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Oh, you're going to sin. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have problems in life. You're going to have difficulties you're going to have to overcome. Your salvation is not based on the circumstances of life or the lack of circumstances. It's not based on your health or your lack of health. It's based on the reality of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. Do you have a ter personal testimony that you've been saved? I mean, I love talking about salvation and I, I, I love sharing my faith with others. I mean, I, I'm talking with somebody. I mean, just a couple of minutes, I'm talking to somebody. I'm ready to share who I am as far as salvation, what God did in my life. The witness of a personal testimony, the witness of a Savior's agony. There is nobody who has loved you like Jesus Christ loved you. There is nobody who has suffered more for you than what Jesus Christ did suffering for you. People say, I don't really know if I want to surrender my life to the Lord. Why not? There's nobody's done anything more for you. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Witness of a father's notary. In other words, you know, we often want legal documents, proof that we signed our names. We have to get a notary republic, and uh, they, we have to have our proof that we are who we are. God has proof of who he is in himself. And so we can trust what he has said in his word is clear, the road of salvation. If you're here this morning, you're not sure you're saved. I want you to know God loves you and wants you to be saved. If you've been saved, you haven't been baptized yet. I'll tell you right now, we'll baptize you. We're going to sing a song of invitation. You say, I'm, I need to be baptized. Come up here and talk to me, and we'll take you in the back, give you a change of clothes back there, and you can be baptized to testify the salvation. Be praying for those who are going to get baptized in the next service, in the 11 o'clock service. And uh, let's pray that somebody will get saved in the 11 o'clock service and get baptized. Amen. There's a road that you have to go down to salvation. And Jesus said there's a narrow way and there's a broad way. What road are you on? Because the reality is you're the one that makes that decision what road you're going to be on. 
Either you're going to accept Christ or whether you're going to reject Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. I'm excited about those that are going to get baptized. What a thrill it is, Lord, to see that step of obedience through faith in Christ and Christ alone. I pray, Lord, you would bless in this invitation right now. There may be somebody here who's never been saved. Uh, Holy Spirit of God, impress upon them that they're living without hope. But yet there is hope that is offered through faith in Christ. I pray they would come and they would receive Christ as their Savior this morning. I pray, Lord, there might be somebody here that is saved, might be struggling with assurance, and he might be struggling with problems in their life. May they realize how close our God is to us and how powerful you are in fulfilling your promises to us. And Lord, I just pray we might get those things settled uh, as we come to you in prayer, as we rejoice in the goodness and the mercy and the love of our God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.